Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today. Super excited as one of my good friends, Seth Goldman, is with us today. You might know him from his time at Honest Tea, from his work at Beyond Meat, from being the co-founder of Planet Burger and the co-founder of Eat the Change. You guys are going to love our discussion today. This is a two-parter. Part one is today we're going to talk about honesty, and then part two in the next couple of days where you learn about his work at Beyond Meat and Eat the Change. You guys, this is going to be so incredible. Seth, so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Justin. It's really great to be with you. Glad we can do it. Oh, man, I was looking forward to this. And um, it's, gosh, we've had some great connections over the, I mean, like the last... 10 years or so, but especially the last like couple months, which is kind of funny. And um, for those listening, we're going to unpack and share some of those stories with you today. Um, but man, uh, for those who don't know, Seth, uh, former CEO of Honest Tea, a small brand, <laughs> most of hey, you T-E-O probably know. Is what we called it. <laughs> TEO. <laughs> I love that. Purchased by Coca Cola. And that's actually where I first actually met Seth when I was at Coke and he was at Honest and the acquisition took place. We're going to talk about that shortly. Um, Seth is the chair of the board at Beyond Meat, another incredible brand, co-founder of Plant Burger, PL, I, I say Plant Burger. Do you say that? PL yeah, that's what I say too. Plant yeah, Burger. Yeah. Some people call it Planet Burger, but no, that's Planet easiest Burger. to do. Yeah. Co-founder of Eat the Change, which is your newest uh, venture focused on um, chef-crafted and nutrient-dense snacks that are kind to the planet. Um, man, a, a lot to talk about, and I'm sure everyone's excited. Um, let's do this. Let's start with rewinding the clock. Uh, I did some homework on you, and you weren't in Uh-oh. the beverage and CPG space before launching Honest Tea. So share some of your like governmental background. Yeah, yeah. I was a government major in college, and I you know, did political stuff. Stuff. I worked on presidential campaigns and that's kind of where I thought I would um, take my career, you know, that because I, I always thought of myself as an activist and, you know, I, I define an activist as someone who acts on things that he or she cares about. And so um, I thought politics would be the way to do, address it. And um, I did work on Capitol Hill for two and a half years for Lloyd Benson of Texas. Oh, yeah. Pretty, I haven't heard yeah, that name in a while. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was wonderful. And, and I really enjoyed that work. But I also felt a little too far removed from the actual work itself. And I thought, well, either I should try to get elected myself or find a different course of work where I can really be quickly addressing issues. You know, because sometimes the legislative process is just takes a long time and then it goes backwards. And (laughs) so I only I can only imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up applying to business school and I went to the Yale School of Management and while I was there, I got exposed to this whole world of business. They called it socially responsible business at the time, but you know, business with a, a additional agendas besides just the bottom line. And my first job out of business school was at an investment fund called Calvert, where they be here in Bethesda, Maryland, which is where I'm still based. And they had a um, investing with the environmentally responsible, socially responsible. So they avoided investing in tobacco stocks or companies with bad environmental records. 
And I enjoyed that, but once again, felt a little too removed, you know, so investing <laughs> in companies you care about versus building new companies you care about. And sure. so I was kind of at the place where like, I just got to find the right idea, something I can get really excited about. And it <laughs> uh, totally, it just hit me. I, so I, I had given an investment presentation on behalf of Calvert in New York City. And after the presentation, I went for a run. And after the run, I was thirsty and I went to a beverage cooler <laughs> And I said, wow, there's there's nothing here. And I was actually with a friend of mine who I had um, run track with in college. He said, well, there's tons of drinks. I said, yeah, but they're all the same. They all have the same core ingredients, the same calorie profile. Uh, and I remembered when I was in business school, my professor, Barry Nailbuff, and I had agreed that there was this something missing, um, that sure. there were you know plenty of options, but not any with less sweetness. And that was kind of the... Um, impetus for me to reach out to Barry and said, you know, I, this is still an opportunity. I think I'm ready to do something about it. And Barry had just come back from India where he had been doing a case study of the tea industry. Oh, wow. And okay. Had come up with the name Honest Tea. And so all of a sudden, like, wow, <laughs> oh <God>. that's, no <laughs> way. that's a beautiful name and, and could go in so many, you know, positive directions. So um, we started brewing tea in our kitchens and send them back and forth. And by the way, Honest Tea was the ultimate name we went with, but we had all these other like Liberty. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Got it. <laughs> yeah, all these other things. And we went with Honest Tea, which obviously worked out pretty well. Um, but I left my job in the investment world and started Honest Tea out of my house in February of 1998. Wow. Now, okay. And, um, and yeah. you know, everyone always jumps to the sale and like, oh, wow, what an incredible brand. Oh, but no. <laughs> but I, and I love it. Um, for those that haven't read um, Seth's book, Mission in a Bottle, The Honest Guide to Doing Business Differently and Succeeding. Like it's the step-by-step -step of how you went in the, with the business. But talk about the early days. I mean, you left the job. Yeah. I mean, you were doing this out of your house, right? You didn't have sales. You didn't have product. Like yeah. <laughs> how did you figure that out? Like the early days of it. Yeah, it was. And as you know, I had no prior experience. So I really was learning, you know, and obviously making mistakes along the way too. But um, I was just figuring it out and we started super small. You know, we, we basically, yeah, I brewed five thermoses of tea in the kitchen and, and I had an empty Snapple bottle that we pasted a label <laughs> on. And I managed to get an appointment with the local Whole Foods buying office uh, down the street in Rockville, Maryland, and walked in there with my thermoses and said, we want to sell this in your store. And, um, I, I literally didn't know even that, you know, as part of that, often there's something called slotting or, at least a free fill. Sure. And the buyer said, you know, well, okay, we'll give it a try. If you you bring us, you deliver the first product and whatever we sell, we'll pay you for. And I'm like, well. <laughs> Consignment. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, 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 and I, I, you know, I appreciate it. I said, well, that that sounds okay, except the part about me not being able to get paid right, right away. Because there's no, the company is me and these thermoses and the thermoses are, are actually Barry just sent those to me for free. So, um, <laughs> oh so I need you to pay for the first bottle that I delivered to you. And, and he actually went along with that, which I'm still thankful for. And um, yeah, we just figured out. But I did know that the taste was different enough that the only way we would convince people. So what we knew was that people who our target customer was did buy bottled tea because all the bottled tea was so sweet. And so if you were a bottled tea buyer, 
by definition, you weren't our customer. Got it. Because it was all so it sweet meant, tea, right? With sugar yeah, exactly. and whatnot. Got it. Yeah. So all we did that first summer was just tons of sampling. And I, I still contend I've given out more samples of honesty than any other person <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> no yeah. Well, and yeah. is that how you drove trial? I mean, and, and when you got yeah. into those first couple stores, people didn't yeah. know the brand, right? How did you try sure. get, get product off the shelf? Yeah, so we were in 17 Whole Foods stores that summer, and we gave out, we actually gave out more samples than we sold. Um, but by the end of that <laughs> summer, by the end of that summer, we were the best selling tea in those 17 Whole Foods stores. Wow. And that was our launch pad to go expand to other Whole Foods regions and other natural foods retailers. And, and, and of course, the other thing that happened through all that sampling is we heard all the feedback. We got you know, okay, this taste needs to be tweaked a bit, or this label message isn't clear. What one of the funny ones? So initially, when we designed design the label, we wrote it was honest tea, freshly brewed, barely sweetened. And I remember being at a demo in Baltimore, yeah, and these people walk up and say, "Oh, what is barley sweetened?" Barley, you know, <laughs> barley and, sweetened. You know, so you you, you really Actually, have sounds to hear cool. the customer. <laughs> it, it sounds cool, but we were, it wasn't accurate. So I right. said, "All right, we got to change that." That's really funny. Um, you you know you mentioned you were making this product at home in the thermoses and filling bottles. When did it become? Hey, we need to do something beyond this. Like we need a yeah. Well, once we got that commercial kitchen, okay, commercial kitchen. Yeah, yeah, once or we got the order from Whole Foods, yeah, and it was for fifteen thousand bottles. I'm like, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to be at home. Yeah. So How did then, you figure that out though? Like, it's not no, easy to figure that out, right? Challenge. Yeah. No, we got a huge challenge. So I hit the road. I had a, a friend who was helping me, who had some experience in the beverage industry, and. We literally went to, oh my gosh, we went to beer packing plants, soda packing plants, uh, jelly packing plants. Oh we ended up at gosh. an apple juice apple juice plant up in Buffalo. And that that uh, was willing to give us a try um, because we were doing, it was so funny, we were doing everything differently. We, we walked in and said, well, you know, we don't, I know most of your bottled teas just use a powder or syrup. We actually want to use real tea leaves. And right. then they said, you know, they and they said, well, um, you know, what about the sweetener? Will you be using high fructose corn syrup? Like everyone's like, no, no, no. We want to use organic cane sugar or organic honey. And and then I said, and we want to put our label. We don't, we want to put a, a, a we don't want to wrap around label. We want to front and back on the label. And by the time we were done, they said, well, we want to pack 25 bottles to a case. I'm like, no, no. Why would we do that? Everyone does 24. Says, right. It's all 24 case packs, right? Yeah. yeah. And he says, you're asking us to do everything we don't do. So we just figured you'd want a 25 bottle case. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. 24 cases, 24 units are usually in the case. Um, you guys also, um, you went with a glass bottle and yeah. um, why? Why not PET or for those that are listening, yeah. plastic? And you have, I know you had a really interesting experience with glass. We'll talk about that in a minute. But why that packaging initially? Well, when we were launching in 1998, there really wasn't a commercialized hot fill. Got uh, it. Because our tea is pasteurized, hot fill um, plastic bottle. And, and glass definitely made the most sense in the natural channel. Of course, as, as you, you, know, you know, over time, they developed a, a, a PET plastic bottle that could be hot filled. And we were actually were one of the first to launch um, what was called a panelist PET bottle. Uh, so it didn't look like a Gatorade bottle. It had, you know, looked much more like a glass bottle. Um, and we did that because the plastic was a much lighter material. Sure. But there was still a, a perception, especially in the natural channel, that the glass is I know. more, you know, it natural. Is, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. But we actually today, and Honesty today, still offers products in both glass and PET. Uh, and, and 
from my point of view, we can defend the the environmental merits of each package. Um, you know, there's downsides to each for sure. I mean, the biggest downside of, of both of them is you're you're offering lots of single use packaging, right? Most of which doesn't get recycled. And just as an example, like for the glass bottles, you know, we sell in Alaska. There's no recycling of glass bottles in Alaska. Got so it. we had an ethical debate, like, is it even ethical to sell glass bottles to Alaska? Because, you wow. know, it's not getting recycled. So interesting. Um, you had a, an interesting experience with a glass bottle. You had a, you had a supplier deliver you some, I don't want to call it defective, but some bottles that ended up with glass shards in it, right? Yeah. And that, that became yeah. an issue. I read about that in your book. Talk about that <laughs> and what you guys had to do about that situation. <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah, we had glass bottles that had some blisters in the production run. And so as a result, they were fragile. And when you pour hot wad, hot tea into them at, you know, over 180 degrees, um, some of the bottles break and they explode. And so what was happening was every time it exploded, we'd shut the line down. We'd have to clear bottles, you know, within 10 feet of either direction. But <laughs> there did end up some some bottles with broken glass did make it to the market. In fact, two different Whole Foods stores had customers who brought back bottles with broken glass. And Whole Foods has a three strikes and you're out policy. Right. And you and had two so, strikes, like, I think, right? Yeah, two strikes. Oh, exactly. And I'm like, well, what? that would kill our business. We cannot afford to do this. And of course, we don't want to put any customers at risk. Unfortunately, no one you know, did have any sure. health issues. But we, we, um, we decided, not, unfortunately, we had to pull everything we made. It wasn't, oh. even though it was only on two production runs, at that time, the stores didn't have the technology to track which product. Right. So they were just, we just had pulled everything out. And this was a company at the time was doing, you know, about 3 million in sales. So it was not like we could just take it, you know, and, and right. keep rolling. Right. So it was a really brutal hit. But, you know, to the extent there's a consolation in this, um, there were other companies that got the same wave of glass and did nothing. And those those brands are no longer around today. Gone. So, you know, we made a really painful decision, um, but it was ultimately the right decision. And, uh, you know, the, yeah. the brand still benefits today yeah. from that. And for those of you listening, you can read about that story in the book. And also, I, you launched another uh, pack type, I believe, exactly. along, right? That kind of triggered yeah. actually some innovation for you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For um, sure. Interesting. So, uh, for, and we blew right past this whole idea of hot fill for those that aren't in the beverage industry. So, <laughs> tea has to be filled hot, like into a bottle or package, right? So um, that presents a problem for plastic that could melt. Um, and so as opposed to like carbonated soft drinks that are filled cold, so they can go in cans right. and bottles. So anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and that's why just uh, for a little more beverage education, the hot fill bottle doesn't need a preservative, right? Where if you were to see like a cold filled tea, you'll see sodium benzoate or some other preservative yes thank you i love bringing that out so no it's well, great under the hood on the <laughs> i love it though i mean not everybody's in this category right um <laughs> but so you're in a couple of stores with whole foods it's doing well when did you know okay i think we've got something here like this oh my is real. gosh justin literally <laughs> it wasn't until about 2007 nine years into the business okay wait so nine years so for those <laughs> listening honesty okay it wasn't one month four months no. seriously yeah. there was always a struggle like we were there was always <laughs> something you know you're struggling for production you're struggling for distribution you're struggling to get gross margin you're you're when you start at the bottom of the food chain literally in this case you know um you just you you struggle to get paid. We had customers, <laughs> distributors who 
would take our product and wouldn't pay us. And I'd never heard of that before. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, they're not paying us? Like, how is that pot? How is that? And of course, it's just, it's not ethical, but it was just a brutal, uh, I mean, I don't regret any of it. It, it, it um, you know, it all, it's all part of the journey, but, you know, there was, we also never raised too much money, which, you know, in, as a, as a operating philosophy, I think was smart, but also just meant we had to be a really lean operation. And, sure be really smart about it and and um so yeah you're never sure it's going to be around and and so finally around 2007 2008 we started getting inquiries whether you know or investment whether sure. it was from nestle or danone or coca-cola and i'm like okay they get it that this will be something that can expand interesting so and, and when you guys were growing the business what did the competition look like because there were other tea yeah. brands out there did they react or did they kind of keep doing their thing which allowed you to grow what did that look like well, what was so interesting, and one of the things really early on in the business, what we saw is that brands like Snapple or Arizona weren't going to offer a less sweet tea. It was kind of antithetical to what they represented. So we did have this space where we could create a category for ourselves. Sure. And um, there were lots of entrepreneurs that did try to take, you know, replicate what we were doing. But our point of view was we shouldn't be worried about people who are trying to copy us. Um, what we want to do is take the much bigger piece of the pie. It's just like we talk about it beyond meat. Like we have, of course we expect to be the top selling plant-based protein, but we never want to be, the goal isn't to be just the best selling plant-based protein. It's to take a significant share of the overall protein category. And with honest tea as well, we wanted, we weren't focused on, could we be the, the biggest, you know, less sweet tea. We wanted to, to really grow and become, you know, certainly create the organic category, sure. create the less sweet, and then expand, you know, um, our, our expansion into Honest Kids was a super um, successful oh, that's innovation. Right. Totally. I yeah. remember that, actually. Um, gosh, that's yeah. so funny. Um, lots of good memories there. Uh, you have a co-founder also. What was the, what's the value of a co-founder? Do you guys split oh, up responsibilities? Yeah. How did that work for you guys? I always like to ask this yeah. question of co-founders. Oh, I, I have in every business I've been in, I've had a co-founder and I, I just think it's so critical. This, this is all hard work. And anybody who tells you it's not is, is <laughs> right. they're lying to you or they're lying to themselves is what I'll say. <laughs> so a co-founder just helps spread out some of the, the burden, um, the, the mental burden, the emotional burden. And, and, you know, in the case of Honesty, I was absolutely the CEO. Barry was chair of the board sure. and he was very effective and, and, and engaged, but, but he wasn't the one worried about how to make payroll or worried about how to pay customers or, you know, having to fire somebody. So we right. had a step, but, but at the same time, he was just a great sounding board because I, and, and we did. Boy, those first 10 years, we spoke probably every day or at least, you know, every we would always be in communication. And um, and so it was just I never had to go sort of explain to him, OK, I'm in this business. Like if I had a question, he could we could pick up a conversation right away and he'd know what, you know, what I was talking about. And that, right. that was valuable, too. And so um, and I'm still very close with Barry. Uh, and I just think it's it, the other thing that's important. And I'd like to I hope. Um, you know, I don't have the ego to say that I know everything. I don't, you know, and so here I am at with Eat the Change. My co-founder is Chef Spike Mendelson. And I, the one thing I know I don't have, I, I would never use the word chef crafted around my culinary skills. <laughs> right. I have a, 
We joke, you know, my specialty at home, I, I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's chef crafting. That's my, with bananas in it. That's my chef Dude, crafting. That's, chef that's crafting, as, high right. as, as good as it gets. And so to have someone like Spike, who really right. is a world-class chef, uh, it's just a great combination. Uh, we bring oh. different things to the business. So fun. Um, I know we could spend like a couple hours just on the honest story. <laughs> I want to ask you one more thing there. As we got to acquisition, um, what what was that process like? Uh, what can you share with us about, you yeah. know, what, what did it look like from your side and going through that process? What was that yeah. like? Well, first of all, it was a little surreal because here's this thing that I've been growing <laughs> for you know, 10 years. I mean, yeah, yeah, 10 years. And so just um, and kind of incredible to say, actually, we're at the table here with the world's largest beverage company right. talking about scaling this. This was kind of the dream to bring this to, to this kind of scale. Um, and then the, then it it's like, well, okay, let's make sure we do this in a way that still makes sense for the brand. You know, uh, I knew Honest Tea was still early in its growth cycle and it, and it was, as you know. So um, we created an arrangement where Coke was an investor, but a minority investor. Got and so it. for the first three years, we continued the business and ran it very much like we owned all of it and Coke came along for the ride. And then in 2011, Coke bought the business and then um, I was still very much involved in, in running it. Um, and eventually we worked a way for me to transition towards still being connected, but you know, as you know, got involved with Beyond Meat and, and sure. other things. Yep. And so um, I, I think that all worked well. And I, what I continue to say, and I, I mean it, is that the Honest Brand is absolutely the brand we envisioned when we launched the business. In fact, on our website, on the, not, I, I use the word R, but it's not my website. <laughs> it's still your honest, baby. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And at honesty.com, you can actually view our original business plan. And, oh, on that, cool. and, and in that business plan, there's a, a statement about aspirations for social responsibility. And you read that and it absolutely describes the brand today. And I'm really proud of that, that you know the brand has absolutely kept, and Coca-Cola has kept to what the brand's ethos was about, and in fact, even deepened it. You know, when sure. when we first sold, um, took the investment from Coke, uh, less than half of our teas were fair trade certified, and today all the teas fair trade certified, all the wow. sugars fair trade certified. So we really deepen those commitments and and that's exactly what we hoped would happen that's so cool and nice to to see the brand continue that way is that a typical model for those that maybe you <laughs> have a brand and they're growing they're like thinking of acquisition is it typical to have a an, a, a larger company Stage. invest you know what i mean and then buy? yeah it, it it wasn't at the time okay um but i do think it is certainly the one i would in, uh, encourage it now it depends different businesses you know are acquired at different stages of development and sure if, the brand is so established that it can't be, you know, tinkered with, then that's one thing. But honesty was so early. It was still an impressionable uh, <laughs> young person. So uh, it was great to have that this phased in approach. And, and frankly, uh, even though there were some difficult moments, uh, it made it, it, it worked to the benefit of Coca-Cola too. There were moments where Coca-Cola wanted us to do something that was made sense for their business model, but didn't make sense for ours. And sure. I stood my ground. I said, no, that doesn't make sense for honest tea. And, you know, now I can say 10 years later, those, that, what I said was the right decision. And it's one reason the brand is still, you know, in, in intact and holds the integrity that it does. And I love that. Um, 
Yeah, that's it's incredible. And in terms of just the the lessons learned and 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 growth and where the brand is today, as you think about that. Now, I have to ask. So you started like you mentioned earlier in government and politics, and then you got into the beverage business. Was there ever a time when some of that government and politics helped in your launch of this company? Um, only in the sense that, and actually, all these businesses, you know, that I launch, we really are um, campaigning around ideas and a movement. So. With honesty, it was about organic and fair trade and beyond meat. It was about plant-based protein with, with Eat the Change. It's around planet-friendly, climate-friendly food. And so there is a, a campaign element to it. We, we try to bring on, just as a campaign would, we try to bring on allies and we try to encourage people to, uh, of course, if somebody just wants a drink because they're thirsty, that's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we love it when someone is thirsty and they can feel good because this is a drink that's aligned with their values. Um and with Eat the Change, you know, we want people to nourish themselves for sure. But if they also appreciate the fact that our, our carrot snack is, you know, one of the most water efficient crops there are, then that's that helps, you know. And really cool. So we always have to put our product and it's um, what it's providing first. But there absolutely is a, a, a desi- an attempt to, to really communicate the ideas we represent and, and um, bring people along. Love it, man! So great um, having you with us, and we're going to do a two-parter today for those that are listening. We just talked about honesty, and, and you can learn more, as I said, uh, of all the details of Seth in his book, Mission in a Bottle: The Honest Guide to Doing Business Differently and Succeeding. Seth, so excited you're going to be here for part two, man! Um, and what a cool story—the uh, honesty story—and thanks for sharing that, and thanks for hanging around with us for uh, another part. Awesome. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.